families. All righty. Guess where we're at, guys? James, you guessed it. James chapter number four. We're getting real, real close to getting our James merit, like our Rangers got a couple weeks ago. Okay. By the way, they got theirs a lot quicker than we did. But James chapter number four, we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. And again, we're talking about temptations and trials that are common to all of us, uh, but especially to those of us that are gifted, those of us that, that, uh, that have some seasoning with the Lord. So really, it's a, a message right for folks like you and I today. James chapter number four, verse number 13 The introduction here is uh, the temptation we're dealing with this week is self-sufficiency. That is trusting ourselves more than we trust God. Self-sufficiency. Did you know it's a terrible sin in the eyes of God? The reason is because man is very frail, infirm, corruptible, subject to disease. By the way, I'm reminded how frail man is because our, our little small Panthers had a football game yesterday against the small Jacks. Patterson and Berwick, it was a JV game. And today we look like a mash unit, okay? Literally half the JV team, Brother Bernie, got banged up, okay? And, um, and, and, and it's hard to practice without those little kids, you know? And, and uh, we're reminded how frail we are, how quickly accidents can happen. Yet despite all this frailty, this uncertainty of life, man, some men still ignore God and walk upon earth as though their future is totally in their hands. This is the philosophy of humanism, the boast that man is the ultimate uh, being in control of his life and fate. Such a boast is utter foolishness when a man is nothing more than a speck before the um, the all-knowing, powerful uh, person that is Jesus. And that, that created a universe that is as vast as ours. You know, when we think about who we really are and who he really is, that is a huge disparity. But yet there are still people that think that everything starts and ends with them. And you know what? Even some of us in the church, once we get saved, we have to really learn and disciple ourselves to lean on God, to ask God for help, to, um, well, Pastor Tommy sang it in the first song, to surrender all, to realize that, that, that we that when we're connected to him, we can do anything. You know, the Bible says apart from him, you can do nothing. Some of you may have heard this story before, but I'm going to tell it to you again. I read that story one time, Miss Robin, and it says, you know, it's talking about, I think in John 14, abide in me and I in you and, and, and in me, you can do all things. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And when I read that, I kind of stopped for a moment because I was like, really, Lord, nothing? I mean, I can do some things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty talented guy, so follow me here. Um, I can do some things, and, and, and I'm starting to justify and, and walk right into this temptation we're talking about today. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, True, but none of that has eternal significance. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. Because I was right when I said, I can... I can do a meeting, I can do a teaching, I can fix something, I can do all these different things, but none of that has any eternal significance. You see, that's what it really comes down to, guys. Anything that we do of eternal significance cannot be done apart from God. And that's just not for ministers, that's for every one of us, because the truth of the matter is, we're all ministers in some way or another. You're a minister when you go to Walmart. You're a minister when you go to the DMV. You better at least go prayed up, okay? You, you're, you're, wherever you go, you have an opportunity to represent Christ. So you want to make sure you're not going in your own strength. 
you're going in God's strength. I said it a week ago. I read a quote that, you know, some people are asked, well, do you have to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? Honey, you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. You need the Holy Ghost to go hang out with some of your family, okay? I need the Holy Ghost to go to that high school over there sometimes. So, so guys, we need God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the different temptations to, towards self-sufficiency. And uh, let's read about it. James chapter number 4, beginning with verse 13, it says this. Go to now, uh, go to now, you that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you thought to say, if the Lord will, you shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. By the way, guys, that verse number 17, ouch. Let me read that one again, okay? That's one that has hit me square between the eyes more than once. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and does it not, to that man, that's sin. Let's pray together that the Holy Spirit would help us to, to, uh, to not lean on ourselves, but to lean on the Lord, because he's, he's strong. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you today for each and every person here. I just ask that you'd bless them and you'd touch them, and you help them, Lord, to lean heavily on your arm and on your strength, not our strength, not our abilities, but on you, Jesus. Touch us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing we talked about is the self-sufficiency that is planning without God. Planning without God. Let me tell you, I've done that before, okay? Uh, For those of you that don't know, your pastor has a pre-med degree, okay? Why do I have a pre-med degree? Because I made that decision before I became a Christian. I did not consult the Lord. I went to college and I, I wanted to do, I was a pretty smart guy, so I wanted to do something that I could make some money at. And my joke was either a lawyer or a doctor. Okay, I've never been very good at lying. No offense, I'm sure there's some good, honest lawyers out there, but most of them, you, 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 they're they're really good at telling a tale. So I said, I'm gonna be a doctor. Okay, so Miss Robin, I was going to be a doctor, and everything was going good. Then along the lines, I got saved. Okay, now the good news is, I thought God could use a doctor, and God can use doctors. God uses some Christian doctors, and I thought it'd be great to go on missions trips and do great stuff like that. But that was my plan. God had a different plan. And thankfully, I've submitted my life to God's plan. But do you see the self-sufficiency in that story? Not consulting the Lord, planning without God. Sadly, see, it's kind of understandable because I didn't know the Lord. But I see people in church all the time that do this very same thing. They make these plans, Miss Robin. They put all these things together, and then they ask God to bless their plans. How about they look to see the plans that God has for them, because his plans are so much better than ours could be. Amen? Self-sufficiency is planning without God. There is nothing wrong with making plans. Let me say that. This is for my wife. This is for you, Miss Amber. This is for you, Shana. There's nothing wrong with making plans, because some of you ladies are like, I'm a planner, and you're not. There's nothing wrong with making plans. 
We just should plan and, pre- and we should plan and prepare for the future. In fact, we should never fail to take the time to plan. Scripture is very clear about this. We're not to be slothful in business or in any endeavor, Romans 12 and 11. Believers are to plan and think about their ventures and behavior before they act. In fact, there's usually not enough planning. Therefore, so much that we do comes out short and turns out to have been wrong decisions. Planning before we act is not what this scripture is talking about. It's warning us to not plan without God. It's warning us that your plans better be bathed in prayer. Your plans better line up with God's word. Your plans better line up with God's plans. Amen? Yet despite this warning of Scripture, the scripture and, and Scripture gives warning after warning, many men plan their lives without God. They plan as if their own wills and desires control their own destiny. Note the example of verse 13. How many plan to go to the city or place where they can get gain, where they can get a job, establish a profession, become successful, famous, launch a career? They have all these plans, but they haven't consulted God yet. Yet in all their planning, they never consider God, not to the point of making sure it is his his will and making sure they acknowledge him in all their ways. You know what, guys? So many times we think that that we can fall behind the will of God. And that's true. I've seen that before. We lag behind. Maybe, maybe God asks something difficult of us and we're a little afraid to make that decision. But I've seen just as many people lag behind the will of God as get out in front of the will of God. Okay? You know, part of the will of God is understanding the timing of God. You know what, guys? The right decision at the wrong time is still the wrong decision. So not only do we need to trust the plan of God, we need... Well, Put your seatbelt on. We need to trust the timing of God. Guys, I'll be honest with you. I've been guilty of that before. Shane, I, I knew I had a promise from God. I knew what he wanted me to do, but I wasn't. I was, I was like, come on, God, what's taking so long? Well, what was taking so long was I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't ready yet. Think about it. So many times we think God's answer is no, but God's answer is really wait Because he's preparing you. He's softening you. He's changing you. Amen? And we got to trust him through that process. Now, let's be honest. We as Pentecostals don't like process all the time. I had this discussion with somebody this week. We love suddenlies, don't we? And suddenly, God did this. And I love suddenlies. But I've learned that God is just as much into the process as he is into the suddenlies. Amen? So we need to commit to the process. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about growing in Christ. I'm talking about being in your word. I'm talking about praying regularly. I'm talking about constantly submitting your will to his. Yet in so many people's plannings, they fail to consider God. They don't acknowledge him in all their ways. But why not? Why does man not acknowledge God as he lays plans and walks through his plans? Because of self-sufficiency. Most people just feel little need for God. They feel their destiny lies in their hands. If they can work harder, if they can make the right contacts, if they can do all the things right, they trust themselves more than they trust God. And that's a tragic mistake. They trust their own abilities. They trust their own energy. They trust their own work, their own discipline, their own conscience, their own education. The point is this. Man feels self-sufficient, perfectly capable, capable of handling his own life and work. Therefore, he lives and works with little meaningful trust being placed in God. Man just does not acknowledge much, if any, need for God. This picture is very tragic. 
This picture right here is somebody making all these plans and failing to consider God. And that in itself is the sin of self-sufficiency. The great error of self-sufficiency is this, planning without God. How can a person ever be so sure that he'll even make it to some city or that he'll even finish? How can he put all these things in place with all the possibilities that are out there? See, guys, I don't know how non-Christians do it. I would not want to walk through this life without my trust in God, without my faith in God. I guess there was a time I was doing it, but I was just walking in ignorance. I didn't know no better. But I cannot imagine someone being my age who, 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 who still trusts in himself, who still has, has no room for God. What? I, I don't understand that. Okay? Now look, guys, this message to James is not to folks outside the church. It's to us in the church. Because you know what? Some of you would say, I'd never do that. But we do it all the time. We need to make sure that a constant part of our prayers, Lord, search my heart. If there's any self-sufficiency, rid me of that. If there's any pride in me, rid me of that. God, I want to be totally dependent on you. It's kind of the prayer of John the Baptist. He must increase and we must decrease. Amen? Our self-sufficiency needs to decrease. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27.1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Guys, things happen so quickly. Things happen so quickly. Amber just told a story of, of, of a family member who literally just 24 hours ago, everything's fine. Guys, we, the Bible says our days are numbered. We don't know when that number is up. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But the good news is, as Christians, we know who holds tomorrow. And we know who has good plans for our lives and who wants to bless us. But the key to us getting those blessings is make sure we lean heavily on God. Not on ourselves, not on our own strength, but on the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 6.33 tells us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Colossians 3 and 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And 1 Timothy 6 and 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I've heard a preacher say this before. I've never seen a hearse with a hitch. Can't take it with you can't take it with you. So let's live each day trusting the Lord and watching him come through for us. Amen. The second part of self-sufficiency, the set, the second warning in, in James chapter number four is this self-sufficiency is failure to recognize the uncertainty of life. There are two reasons why tomorrow is certain. Number one, our minds and nature are limited. We just cannot know the future. No matter what we may plan or what we may think, we do not know what will happen tomorrow. We are completely in the dark. Man, think about how quickly an accident can happen. Think about how one, uh, one seemingly innocuous trip to the doctor and you get a diagnosis that can floor you. You get a phone call. You know, guys, I, my, uh, my mom, it's really easy to tell if she's doing good or not doing good, okay? A couple of days ago, Miss Robin, she called me, and I immediately thought the worst because she was upset, and I was like, somebody died. That was just kind of my default. Who died, okay? It wasn't that. It was actually a scammer who was messing with my mom and had her, literally, she was 
so upset over some guy saying that she had done some nonsense and, 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 and I took care of that problem for her. But, but, but guys, it just reminds us that things can happen so quickly. We're one, this phone could ring right now and change everything about the rest of this night. You know, guys, and we got to live our lives like that. Now, we don't live it like that because of fear. We allow faith, faith to walk with us so that we trust that when this phone rings, God's going to be on the other side. That whatever somebody may tell me, God's with me. It doesn't come as a surprise to him. So because he, he loves me and he cares for me, I can handle the ifs in life. We don't know about tomorrow. We think we do. We have plans for tomorrow. I hope you have plans to be with us at 1030 and come talk about wisdom and eat some good food. But we don't know about tomorrow. We don't know about next week. You know, when we went outside for practice today and it was very, very hot, I got on the extended forecast and I was looking for a cool front. Okay. And uh, it says two weeks from today, it's going to be a little cooler. (sighs) That's what the forecast says. Knowledge, wisdom tells me we better just wait and see. Okay. You know, we had one coach said, I guarantee it'd be cooler in two months. I looked at him kind of funny and I said, well, you're not setting yourself up for disappointment like I am. Because how many have been really hot the first week of October? We've all been there, right? Pretty sure the first week of December, it'll finally be cool. Maybe. Okay. But sometimes we don't know what the future holds. We just really don't. Life is so fragile. In fact, the Bible says that our lives are what like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. It can happen so quickly. An accident can happen. A phone call can change everything. We don't know. We don't know. We seldom know when death comes and how it will come, but it will come. And when it comes, we are snatched out into eternity, never to return to this life. We're gone forever. Life is uncertain, totally uncertain. It's not even certain for today, much less tomorrow. Therefore, refusing to face this fact is utter foolishness. Living a self-sufficient life apart from God is the depth of foolishness. Planning a future without planning for one's eternal future is also foolishness. The Bible says, Hebrews 9 and 27, it's appointed once unto men to die, and after this, the judgment. Guys, that's a date every one of us are going to make. You know, I used to be late all the time, okay? In fact, the only reason we start service on time right now is we do a countdown and Pastor Ronnie starts, okay? I'm notoriously late, okay? And, and in fact, the joke was he'd even be late for his funeral, Well, guess what, Miss Robin? That's one thing I won't be late for, okay? I wish I could be, but that's one date we all have. We don't know when it is, okay? If we had to guess, we'd probably say that that odds are one day I'll attend Brother Bernie's funeral, but I don't know that. What if I get in a car tomorrow and I go somewhere and by, by the week's end, he's attending my funeral, okay? You know, the only good news is if you attend somebody's funeral, you always get the last say. You always, you want to know how to get the last say? You just outlive them. Okay. But here's the deal. We don't know what holds tomorrow. We don't know what future holds. We just don't know those things. So we need to live with eternity in mind. Life is very, very fragile. It should be handled with care. Third part of self-sufficiency is failure to acknowledge God. You see, a person should consult God with his plans, his life. But sadly, so many do not. Most people go about life living like they want. They seldom consider God. But this is not the way to live our life. A person is to acknowledge God and confess his dependency upon God, especially you and I as Christians. 
You see, man is dependent upon God for life. He should say, if the Lord will, I shall live. This means that whatever he, that whether he lives or not and how he lives is in the hands of God. Therefore, a man should depend upon God for everything. Every detail of life we should depend upon God for. And sadly, so many people don't, even in the church. Man is dependent upon God for all that he does. He should say, if the Lord wills, I shall do this or this. This means that a man is not able to do what he plans unless God wills it. Not a single thing. A thousand things can happen to prevent us from carrying out our plans. But when our plans line up with God's plans, God's plans are done. Amen? Not our wills, but his will should be done in our lives. And we need to live our lives accordingly. No matter which way a person turns, a person should acknowledge God in all of his ways. That famous bit of wisdom that I read to you yesterday, uh, Sunday out of Proverbs chapter number 3 tells us what? Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways acknowledge him. That's part of this. That's, that's rebelling against self-sufficiency. That's acknowledging God in all of our ways. Then he promises to direct our paths. Romans 12 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Paul the Apostle, if anybody understood um, a precarious life, today I was reading in my year Bible all the things Paul went through. Guys, I'll be honest, if Paul got on a boat, I'd probably wait for the next boat. Huh, Brother Bernie? I mean, if that guy got on a boat, it might just be going down, okay? If that guy come to a city, he might just get stoned before he got out, okay? I mean, Paul, whew, Paul been through it, okay? If anybody understood the, the, the precarious nature of life, it should be Paul. So look what Paul had to say. 1 Corinthians 4.19. But I will come to you shortly... If the Lord wills and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. He was telling the Corinthian church, I'll be there if it's the Lord's will. He understood this. First Corinthians 16 and seven, for I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permits. You see, Paul in his writing understood that God's will will be done. And we need to understand that as well and live our lives accordingly. We're almost done. Verse 16 says, Self-sufficiency is boasting, bragging, and arrogance. The word boastings means an empty boaster. You know, uh, there, there was a great pitcher one time named Dizzy Dean that used to say, it ain't bragging if you can do it. Well, the problem is this is empty bragging. This is empty boasting, okay? This is like a rancher with a big old hat and no cattle. Okay, you ever heard that saying before? All hat, no cattle, okay? But this is just empty boasting because when it comes to this life, guys, we're, we're in the Lord's hands. And, and anybody who boasts about something is really just showing how foolish he really is. Most people boast, laymen, ministers, people in the church and people outside the church. They boast of their work, what they've done, their abilities, their possessions. But note a fact seldom thought about. Most boasting is not done by word of mouth. It's done by the way we live. We boast by flaunting our abilities and our successes, and that is not pleasing to the Lord. 
We have a tendency to boast and to be seen and be recognized as better and more successful than others. Note what the scripture says. We rejoice in our boastings that we are more successful in our work than some others, but such boastings, pride and arrogance are evil. Because a man's ability in life are due to God and the abilities and the blessings he's given your life. And in addition to this, the future, tomorrow, even one hour from now, is in the hands of God. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But the good news is we know who holds tomorrow. Amen? The Bible tells us in Luke chapter number 12, verses 16 through 21, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to put all my fruit. He said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of thee. Then, tho- then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's a picture of self-sufficiency there. Let's take, let's take heed of that. Proverbs 25, verse number 14. Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Proverbs 27 and 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And then finally, in summary, self-sufficiency simply is sin. It's missing the mark. It is a striking definition. This is a striking definition of sin. To know what we should do to do something and then refuse to do it. Let me read it to you again because, again, this has hit me right between the eyes many, many times. Verse number 17 of James. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. Now, the context here, of course, is boasting and self-sufficiency. And we know we shouldn't boast. We know if our boasting is in anything, Paul said it should be in who? The Lord, okay? Uh, That's one of the reasons we did testimonies here. We don't testify to how good we are. We testify to how good God's been. But when we know what to do and we don't do it, that's sin, guys. That's missing the mark. That's less than God's best. When we know to do good and refuse to do it, it is sin. A person is to trust and acknowledge God. Pray and ask God for his presence, his guidance, his help, his care, his strength. When we make our plans, we need to ask God. When you're putting those plans together, when you're making plans for your children, when you're making plans for your family, you need to consult God. You need to consult God's word. Because you know what, guys? The plan of God is not going to violate the word of God. The the will of God will line up with the word of God. If there's something you're thinking that this is what God told you to do, if if the Bible tells you not to do it, you miss God. Okay? Because this Bible is the standard. This Bible is the straight line. It is the... There's a reason why it's called the good book. Okay? You know, sometimes we, we can think things and we think they're true, but they're not. That's why we go to the Word. That's why we see what the Scriptures say. But when it comes to self-sufficiency, we need to realize that that's not pleasing to God. Submitting to God all of our ways, all of our plans, our plans for today, our plans for tomorrow. Maybe before you begin a day at work, just say a simple prayer. Lord, I give you this day. 
Use me however you want to use me. Bless me. Help me to represent you well. That's just a great way to acknowledge God in every way. You know, we don't know what the future holds, but God does. And we need to allow our plans, I'm not even going to say to merge with God's plans, but let our plans become God's plans. Because the Bible says God has the, knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And we have to trust those plans. And we have to reject self-sufficiency. We have to reject uh, pridefulness. We need to reject anything that would contradict the word of God and the plans of God. A person is to walk in fellowship and communion with God day by day. Moment by moment, acknowledging him in all of his ways, he is to commit his life, all his ways to the Lord. Refusing to do so is sin, and the wages of sin is death, both spiritually and eternally. If a man knows what to do and he doesn't do it, to him, that's sin. You know, many times our problem is not knowing what to do. It's just having the faith to do it. You know, I, I, so many times we, 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 we struggle over decisions, and, and we know the decision we should make. We just don't always want to make it, huh? We know what we should say, but we don't always want to say it. But we need to get to the place where we, um, we crucify our flesh, we crucify our old selves, and we walk in the righteousness that is Christ. And then all of a sudden, it's a whole lot easier to do the right thing. It's a whole lot easier to say the right thing. It's a whole lot easier to humble ourselves when we've already humbled ourselves to the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Self-sufficiency. It's really the sin of pride. And, and, and that's sin. That's missing the mark. Self-sufficiency or God-sufficiency. Self-dependence or God-dependence. You see, that's really what it comes down to. Are we dependent upon our own selves? Are we dependent upon God? When we're dependent upon God, there's some promises that become ours, like Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. God will fight for you. That's a promise that those that are dependent upon God can claim. Promises like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's a promise you can claim when you're not self-sufficient, but you're God-sufficient. Proverbs 4.19, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Guys, there is no room for self-sufficiency in that promise. But my God shall supply all of my needs. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you see, guys, self-dependent people just kind of go through life doing their own thing, and, and that is the, that is the uh, definition of foolishness. So guys, I'm just going to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed, we need to recommit to be more God-sufficient and less self-sufficient in every area of our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, how many would say, you know, Pastor, while you were preaching, while you were teaching, the, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that, that in some small area or maybe in some big area, I've been way too self-sufficient. I've been trying to figure this out myself, and I need to just give that over to God because I realize that, that I can't handle it, that I can't fix it. I need to be more God-dependent. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Put it right back down. Hands going up all over the place. Lord, you know what every one of those hands means. 
You know what those folks that are watching via Facebook right now are dealing with. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work. God, I just thank you that there's a huge difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation makes us want to quit. Conviction makes us want to change. And I thank you right now for your convicting power. Showing us those areas, Lord God, where we've been self-sufficient. Show us, showing us those areas, Lord God, where we need to trust you more. I pray from this day forward, Lord God, that we would live our lives in such a way that it bring great glory and honor unto you. Not looking for any glory or any honor for us, but wanting to bring all glory and honor unto you. Those that are struggling in certain areas. Forgive me when I struggle, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, when when I want to do things my way and not necessarily your way. Lord, help me to totally submit my will to your will. My ways to your ways. God, it really comes down to trust. Proverbs chapter number 3. Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. Help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways, Lord. And then you will direct our paths. I pray over this congregation. I pray over these people here tonight. Pray over these people watching via Facebook that, Lord, you would touch them. You would strengthen them. You would help us to live God-dependent lives. Help us to lean heavily on you, your grace, your mercy, your strength, not our own. Touch us, bless us, and use us all for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.